0: You are listening to the Power of Why podcast.
1: So I was the only virtual assistant. So at the time I would do 12 hour night shifts as a a foreman. And then I would go back to my camp and I would eat for, you know, a little bit and then shower. And then I would go and I would work for four or five hours in my room. And then I would get up and do it all over again, sleep for a little bit, go back and do a twelve hour shift. And I did that, and I had 19 clients, um, and, and word was flying around. No, oh, there's somebody in Canada that's doing this, and this is great. So I started thinking, oh, you know, I'm on to something. So that's where I started building a much bigger website, and I started really pushing it out there and uh, realizing, okay, I think we're, we're on to something.
0: This episode is powered by Invest Ottawa. This is Naomi here and Accelerate Ought This Year, which is the flagship entrepreneurship conference hosted by Invest Ottawa, has women founders and funders leading from the stage. I've teamed up with the Invest Ottawa team to bring to you this podcast series, which highlights leading women. And on October 27th, 2021, you can join the incredible Invest Ottawa community and more than 700 people at Accelerate Ott, an epic one-day hybrid conference where you can expect authentic and actionable insights from the tech and entrepreneurial trenches that you can put to work immediately, live and online networking, six inspirational sessions, with more than 25 speakers, scale up revenue, customer, and funding strategies to accelerate your growth. And I'm also really excited about a pitch competition that will be taking place, which will land founders $200,000 in investment. If you're a founder, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, investor, industry leader, or business owner looking to accelerate your growth and success, Accelerate Ott is for you. So without further ado, enjoy this week's conversation with Bobby Reset. This is the third episode of the series. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Haile and today I am here with Bobby Reset. Bobby, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, hi Naomi, I'm doing great. How are you today?
0: I'm doing amazing. I am so excited to have you on the show and also share A lot of the things that you've been learning on your journey with with my audience so i'm really excited to to talk a little bit about what it's like building a business or what it's like raising money and really being purpose-driven on your path so for the audience bobby is the founder and ceo of virtual gurus a talent as a service solution platform that matches business owners and corporations with the perfect north american remote assistants and freelancers and they use matchmaking algorithms as well. Virtual Gurus it officially launched in 2016. And today, Bobby leads a team of nearly 150 people, where 30 of them are full-time salaried employees. And Bobby is always thinking about innovative ideas to grow her startup. She recently closed her series A round and we'll be talking a little bit about her journey doing that here. Bobby was also recently named Canada's Indigenous Entrepreneur of the Year and Woman Entrepreneur of the Year Prairies Region by Startup Canada. Bobby is making an impact in the Canadian startup community and she is a Cree-Métis woman who prides herself on building an inclusivity-first company, championing for Indigenous people and the LGBTQ community. She's lived in the Okanagan Valley, which is a region in British Columbia, the UK, Mexico. So Bobby loves to travel and started doing so at a very young age. And so I'm really excited to hear about how that's kind of informed your journey as well. So Bobby, thank you so much for being here. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your origin story and kind of how you grew up, where you grew up.
1: Definitely. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm, I'm a huge traveler, but I'm, I originally hail from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, so my family's all there and I, I typically go back and, and see them and they come here a lot because I've been so busy. Um, but uh, yeah so i'm i'm the founder of virtual gurus and as naomi said we're, we're a a talent as a service platform where we provide work to uh businesses and entrepreneurs uh, mostly remote work and uh, we provide the talent and we do everything from back office administration to marketing we do some web design bookkeeping we have everything from social media, to uh, legal assistance, IT, financial assistance, medical assistance, legal. And uh, the best part about it is every single one of the people that work for us are, are based in Canada, and we actually have over 400 virtual assistants in the platform working. We are onboarding right now more than a couple hundred because we have landed quite a few large corporate accounts. And so we're, we're growing. And one of the amazing things that sets us aside from all of our competitors is our diversity inclusion mandate it is we provide work to marginalized uh, communities, typically to those who have often been forgotten or the typical nine to five doesn't uh, work for them. And uh, so we're working on having our numbers set at 95% of our contractors identifying as women and uh, 65% are part of the Black Indigenous People of Colour community, while uh, 45% are part of the LGBTQ community. And then we have a lot of other uh, measurements in there as well, where we do have people with disabilities, single stay-at-home moms. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have people who are from the Army uh, military vets as well. So we kind of have all walks of life. And and that's kind of our number one goal is, is to provide those uh, meaningful work from home opportunities. So that's virtual gurus.
0: Thank you for that context. I mean, not a lot of companies are that outspoken or clear and tangible about what their hiring goals are. And for you to, you know, make those statements internally, be very clear that this is the way that your company operates and, and, be non-compromising in that respect is really is is very inspiring and i know you've i I remember in our last conversation you've received some pushback on that as well from Mm -hmm. investors would you be willing to share what those some of those conversations have looked like
1: yeah definitely Um, you know it's uh, Raising money is is one of the most daunting things I've ever had to do. In my personal life, I typically don't like asking for help. It's something that I've always struggled with. Um, So when when I had to go and raise money for Virtual Guru's first seed round, which was uh, we were trying to raise uh, one million. So it was a very small funding round. And, uh, you know, I, I spent almost two years raising the round, and I went through 170 investors saying no to me. Now, when I look back to it, I don't necessarily like to say that it is the, the main three things, me being a woman in tech, me being LGBTQ, and me also being an Indigenous woman. I don't like to say it are those things, but uh, a lot of factors have pointed towards that. Through um, going through my research after finally closing my funding round, and um, you know, it's not to say that there's anything bad about some of the investors, because honestly, a lot of the investors that I that did say no gave me very valuable feedback. However, some of the investors were suggesting maybe that I don't talk about the community or I don't put the diversity mandate that I've set. That it's not about that. It's about scale and growth. And, you know, that's where I had to kind of stand up and be like, no, this is, this is about scaling growth, but this is about me scaling people. And this is about me believing in humanity and, and scaling the type of people that I want to scale. So it, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was more so a thing of, Hey, you know, maybe that's just not the right investor for me. So I just had to keep plugging through and keep going. One of the other things was I will always be myself. I will never change who I am. So I usually, typically, wear like jeans and Converse shoes and a black T-shirt or black button-up or something. And you can see, you know, my arm tattoos sticking out. And you know, and I, I would often get, you know, maybe you could come without having your tattoos showing or this and that. I'm like, but my tattoos don't really show the skill sets I have in scaling this company. So I don't see how that's that 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 coincides and works together. So. Um, You know, one of my main learning uh, points of all of the raising, of raising that round was that you always have to go for what you feel and always have to be yourself. And then I've I've never shied away from that. Um, There was a point where I thought, Maybe I'll start start changing my pitch and maybe I will dress differently. Maybe I won't talk about the diversity. And I kind of had to give my head a shake and be like, no, no, no. You have to talk about that because more businesses these days do need to talk about that. And um, I'm really happy with how we closed our funding round. And the investors we did end up getting were perfect investors for us.
0: There, there's something really powerful about sticking true to that. North Star, as you call it, as you've called it in the past, and being really intentional about who's in that circle and who's going to be a part of that uh, growth as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: I love, Bobby, the the story behind how you came across the problem that you're solving with virtual gurus. You um, talked a little bit about your work experience out West, and then also started, how you started freelancing, right? When you were laid off from a position in the oil and gas industry. Can you bring us back to, you know, a couple years ago and and talk a little bit about how you were able to kind of identify this problem and then start working towards building a solution?
1: Definitely. Um, So yeah, I moved to Alberta to work in the oil and gas. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting myself a job as a safety technician. And I worked my way up to a foreman um, and it was great. It was good pay. Life was good. I mean, it was a little too blue collar for me, but it was good. And uh, so I, I would work for 12 hour shifts and uh, go back to my camp and and uh, basically do that for three, four five weeks at a time, come back, have time off. So at the time, the layoffs were happening everywhere. Oil plummeted and uh, the prices plummeted i mean uh and then uh you know everybody was getting laid off so i was one of the last to get laid off because of my status of moving to foreman and night foreman so i would work 12 hours at night and then go and sleep during the day type deal however you know i started realizing at the time that i was going to need to come up with my pivot because my chances of finding work in the city when all these people ahead of me were getting laid off we're going to be very, very slim. So, uh, what was my pivot? And that's when I started looking online and seeing freelancer, gig economy, and I was thinking, hey, I could probably do something in there. There's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And so I started signing up to companies who are now considered our competitors. Uh, and uh, while I thought it was amazing at the time. There was major disconnects as I was going through my onboarding processes or as I was getting, uh, trying to bid up for clients, for example. The pay was extremely low. I think on one task, I bid it as low as $2 an hour just to be able to do a task. Now, I mean, surely there has to be an easier way because who can live off of that, right? When you look and you take a deeper dive into it, a lot of companies at that time that were doing what we do they were offshoring um, overseas. And while it's not necessarily a bad thing, a lot of people on our own turf don't necessarily want the offshore supporting their client facing work. And so I had a lot of people wanting me because they've seen that I was in Canada and my profile showed in Canada and there was not a lot of virtual assistants in Canada. So I started realizing, okay, there's something here where I could provide meaningful work, while trying to get a fair wage. So that's where I ended up building Virtual Gurus. And I built it by just putting a funny splash page up online. And I started servicing myself into these businesses. And I started going on Kijiji and and all of that and really building out what my ideal client profile would be um, and really building out what type of service I would do and the quality of the service. And so I was the only virtual assistant. So at the time I would do 12 hour night shifts as a, a foreman and then I would go back to my camp and I would eat for you know a little bit and then shower and then I would go and I would work for four or five hours in my room. And then I would get up and do it all over again, sleep for a little bit, go back and do a 12 hour shift. And I did that and I had 19 clients um, and, and word was flying around. oh, there's somebody in Canada that's doing this and this is great. And, you know, so I started thinking, oh, you know, I'm on to something. So that's where I started building a much bigger website. And I started really uh, pushing it out there and uh, realizing, OK, I think we're, we're on to something. The number one thing that we wanted to provide or that I wanted to provide was quality talent while providing a fair wage because you know yes people might go for that cheaper nine dollar an hour cost but you know that the platform needs to make margins and profits from that so therefore they're only paying their purse their people they're paying them extremely low um so i uh, i worked on a lot of pricing models and I, I i tweaked it throughout the years and then now it's a full-blown platform
0: there's a yeah. full-blown platform bobby and mm-hmm. i'm wondering you know, while you were working those long hours, what, in in your mind, what was it that kept you going to, you know, say, I'm going to spend another uh, four to five hours doing that and really compromise on my sleep to make this thing happen? (laughs)
1: Um, I think it was the the thought of knowing that layoffs were coming and I was going to need I was going to need a job, but I think a lot of it is also just my work ethic comes from my mom. You know, she's been a hard worker her entire life and uh, she's just always shown me that you, you got to do what you got to do. And, and honestly, I will, I will uh, say it's also to do with once you create something, it becomes your baby, you know, and you create it and you see things happening and you see, it's just that, it makes that, you know, that oomph and that drive in you and the adrenaline of seeing things happen. So, you know, seeing it evolve from having like $300 in my pocket after I did yeah. get laid off to now where it's valued at more than, you know, 22 million Canadian. It's, it's, it's cool to see that. And it's cool to have gone through the life cycles of virtual cruise until, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just my drive and, and now I'm, I'm I'm even more pumped just to continue.
0: Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> you you shared that you had 19 um, clients at the time, and you were managing this obviously with a with a full time job too. Can you talk a little bit about your process getting to a place where you were ready to to bring on other people, and how did you know the most important things to work on in the in the early stages and where to really focus your time, especially since it was very uh, limited when you first started.
1: Definitely. So I brought on my first assistant by looking at Kijiji and I actually went into Toronto's Kijiji and I think it was, yeah, Kijiji. And uh, I wanted to find somebody in the East coast because of the time difference because a lot of my clients were East coast, but also a lot of clients were out here and I wanted somebody to be oh, ahead of me, you know? Uh, and so I found my first virtual assistant and she stayed with the company for four years And uh, she, I I hired her, showed her what to do, and so she ended up uh, working with the clients and uh, helping with the clients and and such. When I did get laid off and she was my only VA, you know, I, I worked on building the website out. I worked on algorithms. I worked on, you know, going to community groups here like Startup Calgary, Calgary Economic Development and uh, putting myself through accelerators. I I sat in Arlene Dickinson's tech accelerator for six months. And I did a lot of stuff there to really try to figure out how to grow this, knowing that I was onto something. And then I started building out the technology more. Um, We built out the technology earlier. It just wasn't top line technology, where now we have fast forwarded into we have a full tech team. They're building the whole platform. We have a two sided platform right because we're a two-sided marketplace so we have the client side where it's the talent place so they can click and pick the talents that they want and get matched where uh, and then they get to go to a CRM system where they work with their clients or their VAs and then you have the VA side where it's the onboarding um, you know they get e-skills they get uh, skilled up into to testing they get uh, you know, a whole a community back there. So they actually get to talk with each other, hang out in the Slack groups, and and then and we have that part. So uh, it took us a while to build that out, but now that's why we're closing this, uh, our Series A funding round right now, because we're actually going to be working with machine learning so that we can allow for mass onboarding because we actually can't keep up with the growth right now. So uh, the mass onboarding will help us plug all the people that are coming to the website through much faster. And let them get matched faster, as opposed to you know, 24 hours or so. So you you
0: mentioned um, the the process of raising. I'm really curious. What are some mm-hmm. typical? Because you you mentioned that um, in the when you were raising your seed, you had 170 folks say no. You know, this is not something that I'm um, maybe interested in at the time. What are some things along the years you've learned about what investors are really looking for when it comes to putting their money down on a business and seeing the company grow?
1: I mean, you know, I think that when it comes to raising, you always kind of have to prove yourself, right? And uh, you have to prove the product, you have to prove the service, you have to prove that you have a viable product. Now, a lot of things you always have to realize when you go into raising is not all investors just want a type of a service platform or a freelance platform. Um, And I had to realize that going into it, where a lot of people want more technology into what they invest in, where a lot of investors don't necessarily want technology, they want revenue. So all the investors are different, which I think it's important that they put their portfolios on their website, so then you know who you're pitching and, and if if they're the right investor for you. That I think that's a huge step first, because not a lot of investors do that. Um, secondly, is 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 making sure that you are obviously approaching the right investors. But for us, when things changed was when we started approaching impact investors, and uh, because we are considered to be an impact startup. We provide work to marginalized folks. And uh, so once I was able to change that tune and be able to say, hey, you know, I need more funding so that I could provide more work because we can't keep up with the growth, then people are going to jump more on that than, hey, I need money because I'm building out technology, you know. So I started learning the whole difference between it a little bit late in the game. But I mean, you know, understanding that and knowing it is is it's hard because when you're in it and you're not even able to hit payroll you're doing what you can but you know you have revenue right so <laughs> it's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow sometimes too as well but uh, I think uh, with this next raise that we're doing now we're closing now it's been so much more easier and uh, in fact I really have not had to go out looking for investors you know so it's made things a lot easier but Yeah, but I mean, we were, at this time when I closed my funding round in 2020, uh, we were five full-time staff and uh, just around, you know, a 2 million ARR. Now we're about 6 million with 30 full-time staff in a year and a bit later. So we we're definitely growing. And I think uh, investors are seeing, okay, you know, they have something. Let's jump on this and let's help them, you know.
0: (laughs) It's a very, very good position to be in. Um, yeah. I wanted to go back to what you were mentioning earlier about building out the technology and using machine learning. There is a something that you have in place right now called Ask Betty, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Where you could like, it's a task on demand app, and mm-hmm. they're they're basically able to look for more flexible options. You know, when it comes to testing different ideas, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you integrated that, how you went about integrating it. Because um, I think what something, w- something that would be interesting for the audience is around, oh, I have all of these ideas and customers are coming back and telling me, you should try this, you should try this. But then there's also that level of, of being focused and really building out something that's, that's great and valuable and all of those things. So I'm wondering how you sure. think about new integrations, how you think about growing the product and the service. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so you know, when we with virtual gurus, it is uh, it's scaling, and uh, on the virtual guru side, when you sign up, it's a subscription model. And uh, the lowest package that you can sign up for is 10 hours a month. A few reasons for that, because one is, is that's more dedicated VA. So when you sign up to virtual groups, you're getting a dedicated person and uh, this person and you build a relationship that you have to get to know each other. Uh, they're there to support you only 10 hours a month. And that's our lowest package. And we only build by the minute on that, but it's a little bit different where a lot of clients were coming to us and saying, Hey, you know, I only need a task here and there. I don't really I just care who my VA is. I just want it done on tasks, like bite-sized tasks, right? So that's where the idea of Ask Betty came in. We're thinking, how can we do this? We don't want to leverage it through Virtual Gurus, like our platform. We want to leverage it as a separate deal, but where it is her own thing. And so we immediately thought, Betty. And then uh, we thought, okay, well, Ask Betty, kind of like Ask Jeeves. And uh, so we really liked it, and we ended up focusing on building it out on Slack to start. It will be available on on companies like Microsoft Teams, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, uh, and we're 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 going to build that out into the future. But uh, for now, you can actually go to Slack and download it, and it's your own personal assistant on demand through Slack. So you can just say, hey, Betty, uh, I am doing a podcast. Can you transcribe this for me? And Betty will just go ahead and do it and send it right back to your Slack. And so you're just talking with Betty directly through the Slack. And it's it's really neat. It's getting a lot of love right now. The thing is, is, is it's essentially starting two startups in one. Starting one startup is a lot of work because you really have a lot to do. You have to focus on... Building your client, you have to build your ICP, your growth. You have to build your team out, especially when it's scaling. There's so much movement, and then you add in another startup, it causes so much more movement and a little bit of a loss of focus. So there comes that fine line of saying, okay, what do we focus on right now? Uh, you know, because everybody in a startup is always budget constraints. So. Uh, so so we kind of had to back burner it for a little bit, but it's still actively delegating tasks. I believe there were, in just the last couple of days, over 40 tasks sent through it from people just finding it in the App Store on uh, Slack. So uh, it's alive and it's there and uh, you buy credits and then you can just go ahead and be like, hey, Betty, I got to do this. And, you know, Betty's done everything now from booking flights to hotels to, wow. you know, a lot of pivoting and uh, tables of, of, you know, everything. Uh, she's done a lot. So
0: that's, that's incredible, Bobby. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to talk a little bit about more on um, kind of the personal side of b- building a business and what's involved in terms of um, building out your skills, public speaking. You talk about not having a business background and so having to learn everything on your own. What was yeah. it like, what was it like behind the scenes of of making that happen in, in just a couple of years?
1: Oh, uh, I, you know, <laughs> um, so I'll tell you a little story. Um, my demo day, uh, Arlene Dickinson's tech accelerator, you, you know, demo day is a big thing in the startup world. I, I just, I'm nervous in front of people naturally Uh, I mean I've obviously gotten a lot better but uh, I really struggle with public speaking and I really did at the time and I I just struggle naturally with uh, you know anything to do with uh, being in front of people but I knew that I was going to have to put myself outside of my element uh, in order to move on to being able to successfully run the business right so i had to put myself out but what happened was on my my tech day my demo day was five minutes before it was my turn to get on the stage i completely choked and ran out of the building and went home called it a day i was like nope not doing this i can't do it and i was so nervous i was crying i was getting sick and it was just not me but a lot of that was pent up from myself right mm-hmm. like I had to work over that and I had to figure that out myself and I had to learn how to work over it. So I reached out to, after that, I reached out to a few people in the startup community to help me and I felt like I needed to redeem myself. So I went and I flew out to Montreal, went to Startup Fest and I pitched Um, and I I just, I paced back and forth and I went in a pitch and I ended up becoming the runner up um, to a $100,000 prize out of like 3,000 people that pitched. And, um, it was then where I was like, you know what, I can do this. And that was really important. And it helped me build my confidence up and it helped me do that. So I would, uh, stand and try to learn public speaking in front of people. I would try to, I put myself out there and I did it so many times just so I could be better with it. I struggle with it to this day. I struggle with, um, being, I would say on the front lines, but being the face of the business a lot because I'm always one of those people where I'm more in the back lines, you know, and I'm, I'm an introvert. So I, it's been a struggle, but I can say that the most empowering thing is getting past that and learning so much about myself in this last four years where I was able to not only get past it, but I was able to just keep persevering over and over. And now it's like, you could put me in front of a crowd and I think I would be completely fine. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I just realized that the nerves are actually good and, uh, you know, and then I just started channeling the nerves into, Hey, this is good. And, and I would get pumped and jacked and, and, uh, happy about it. And, and I would notice I would go on stage and be a whole different person. I started also doing the Superman pose before speaking engagements. So I would go into the mirror yeah. and be like, Oh, I'm superwoman. <laughs> And we we're like, yes, I got this. And then I would go on stage all jacked and pounced with a big smile on my face. And and then more and more speaking events and, and requests started coming. And so I was like, oh, I think I just, uh, you know, I just unlocked something. In the foot. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> or unlocked something, right? You, like, you unlocked see, something. changed yeah. your perspective on what those nerves meant, you know, um, as you were mm-hmm. feeling them out. So yeah. So yeah. you sought out you sought out uncomfortable opportunities. Um, it's you mentioned earlier of this started with like three hundred dollars. I'm wondering w- to to see where you are right now and reflect on what is possible and to see what is possible. What does that mean to you today?
1: Yeah, you know I am uh, not ashamed to say it because a lot of times I my number one goal in this world is to inspire people. You know, and I want to inspire, especially young Indigenous women, because if I can do it, so can they. and I just keep thinking about that. That's just, that's my why, you know, that in our North Star. So when I think back to when I did have $300 in my pocket, I was borrowing money from my mom to pay my rent because I got laid off. And yes, we had a little bit of a layoff package, but it wasn't much because the oil industry out here. And so, you know, I, I, I think back to that and I think to where I'm at now And I think I still have a long way to go. But I think at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about all of the people that I'm providing work to who have struggled as well. And uh, that is, you know, just it just encourages me and and, and, it motivates me. It's, uh, you know, when I get out of bed, that's what I think about is, you know, the people I'm providing work to, including my employees and my staff, and including to the marginalized communities that work for us, Um, you know, and so I have this motto, and it's inspire one, inspire a nation, because I truly do feel that, you know, if I can just inspire people to uh, get past it and, and work past the barriers of starting a business, being... Um, you know, a woman in tech, a lesbian in tech, and also a uh, indigenous woman in tech has been really tough. But if I can inspire others that are feeling that to get past those barriers, that uh, you know, you just got to keep pushing through. And that's why I'm not shy to talk about where I started from, because I think I think it's it's important for others to know that because so many people don't think that they have that in them to do it, but everybody does. You just got to push past it. You know, you gotta you gotta rely on your your you know the bad things that have happened in your life and turn them into good things and uh that's really important for me you know and to be honest I I love the fact how proud I've made my mom you know Mm. like she is not only extremely proud right now but like she just like looks at me sometimes and just says where did this come from like how do you know how to do this (laughs) like Mm. I don't know but I love it (laughs) but you know I I just think it's it's about empowering people Um, you know, and I think that that's what makes me tick every single day is, is that and, uh, you know, I think if, if everybody just did a little bit of that in their, in, in their journeys, in their entrepreneurial journeys, that the world would be a whole different place. Mm
0: -hmm. You talk about virtual gurus being an impact, um, an impact company an impact focused firm and, there are levels of community building that is also involved in in the work that you're doing. So can you share a little bit about where that draw to, to building community and making sure that people felt included in your organization, even with the intentional things that you're doing in the onboard, like onboarding assistance as well? Mm-hmm. Um, where did that thinking and intentionality come from
1: well it, it actually you know didn't come in until about 2018 where i really started talking about it uh in online and, and in press and and whatnot but uh, as i started realizing that virtual groups was going to scale it was kind of like a light bulb moment went on of of you know what i've got to leverage my voice and my platform to be able to do what means a lot to me, which is to provide work to uh, people who have otherwise struggled finding work or the nine to five mold didn't fit and especially marginalized communities. And uh, so that's why we call them our North Star. Uh, So if you look at our logo, you'll see we've rebranded completely and our North Star is right at the top. It's because we do what we do for the North Star. Um, You know, every time when somebody, you know, for example, I'll get a, a Slack message from one of the VAs and it will say something like, thank you. You know, you were able to help me provide food on the table for my family. You were able to do this. And it's it's those messages where it's just like, yes, we can do this. Now, there's a whole difference between just hiring people and contracting people to do the work for you. But how do you make those people feel empowered? How do you make those people feel like they're part of a community? And so that's what we're working on. And that's the one thing we are doing, is building a community for them so they can support each other. They can be lifted up by other VAs who are doing it, other VAs in their community. Um, and they can learn by other VAs, which is super important. That's why the uh, Virtual Brews Academy launched it's a by VA for VA platform. Um, and so since we turned things into being more of a community driven and our North Star driven, we've noticed uh, a lot more scalability from that because people want that in fact our newest largest account in the u.s is coming to us for 100 virtual assistants because they love the diversity angle we're going at so we are now providing 100 different people that are part of the bipoc community jobs you know and so it's it's important if if everybody put numbers and and mandates on their website and tried to hit those by providing work to those you know it, it would be super important for everybody to do that
0: that piece that you mentioned of an element or a priority that you have in your business that another business sought out, mm-hmm. that was also um, something that investors early on told you to get rid of. And I think what 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 I glean from that is that there is no right answer. And mm-hmm. if you're going to decide to do something, I think it you it needs to be aligned and it needs to be something that's that's something that you believe in, right? Because not yeah. everyone's gonna not everyone's gonna see it, and yeah. but, the, but the people that you're meant to work with will. And uh, it's really cool to see how that's um, that's played out for you, Bobby. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it feels good, and it it just feels good to know that what we've tried to be doing and the goals we've tried to hit for so long, you know, well, four years, are finally being hit. You know, and uh, that we are doing what we set out to do, and 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 I can tell you, it doesn't only encourage me every day to get up. Um, every single one of my 30 staff, there are 32 staff that work for me now. Uh, it it encourages them. That is why they work here. It's it's just amazing to see how close it brings my team together as well.
0: Mm-hmm. As we um, wrap up the episode, one thing I wanted to go back to was when you. When you ran out of that pitch, um, the one that was specifically with Arlene <laughs> and then said, no, I'm gonna go out and, and go to Montreal and do this pitch. And you almost gave yourself proof that this is, this is possible. This is something that I can do. This is something that I wanna do. And you said that it built your confidence and it validated this type of experience and this path forward. I'm wondering how important those moments are on on your journey and if you had other examples of proof quote-unquote proof or validation that you know this is something that i can do and and i'm going to make it happen
1: yeah you know i this is the part like like i said like this is just not only growing my confidence but it empowered me but uh, another story is not too long after i was when i was still working in oil and gas and and i was just about to get laid off i ended up hiring a fellow that i met Online to actually come in and be the CEO of the company and the reason being is is because I didn't think I could do it So I had major imposter syndrome, you know, I just didn't think I could and That was my number one mistake learned in the business because having done that I gave up quite a bit of my shares You know, I didn't think virtual groups would be as big it is as it is now So massive lesson learned for me shortly after probably around six to eight months after he came in I had realized that our visions were not the same. He was not the founder of the business. I was, uh, there was just a lot of disconnects and I realized I needed to move on from him and I needed to do it because there was nobody better to do the business than myself. And, uh, you know, taking my power back and 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 taking control of the business and being, taking it from where it was to scale, to me was probably one of the most empowering, beautiful things ever because I, I came out of my shell so much more. I, there was like this drive in me. It was like something was just pushing me and saying, you know what, you can do this. Like you're the one that needs to do this. And uh, you got this. So that's where it started by going to Montreal and just pacing back and forth in front of the pitching tent in front of the thousands and being like, okay, hey, I got to do this. Like I have to, you know, and it was, I didn't care if I won or not. It was just the fact of getting on the stage and doing it and doing good and killing it. That was winning for me. I didn't need to be runner up. I didn't need, it was just, I did it. It's, it's just important that we understand that we are the best people to run our businesses and that you have to learn. Everybody's going to make mistakes when you do it. I've made tons of mistakes along the way. And, you know, it's important to make those mistakes so that you can learn to grow. So I think that uh, being able to live past those two things are, are, are two things that I honestly look back at all the time. I tell the stories all the time about those because I think that they are what made me who I am today and why I'm able to successfully take this to scale. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm. Amazing. Amazing, Bobby. And thank you for being honest that it's kind of you're learning as you go. And we don't have all of the answers, but I think there's something to be said about betting on yourself and, and really putting yourself in a position to have access to all of those opportunities right And so yes. i would i would be curious to learn in your industry kind of at the beginning you mentioned the gig economy and these are spaces that are absolutely booming and are going to continue to boom in the years yes. to come i'm wondering um what are some like what is one interesting thing happening in your industry that you'd like to share with everyone
1: yeah the gig economy and the sharing economy freelancer economy it's a $455 trillion market in uh, North America. You know, isn't that crazy? Uh, we did some market numbers not too long ago for my pitch uh, for some pitching investors. And, you know, when I got those numbers, I was thinking, wow, you know, that's, it's just crazy. Obviously, the economy market, like you have, you have a lot of food, gig workers in there. You have... You know, you have a lot of the administration and freelancer type workers and, and all of that. I think so, so much of it's changing. But I think what's happening, to be, to be honest, is the cycle is refreshing. So their Upwork, for example, they started this years and years and years ago. And they started it. And uh, what they've done, so many people have jumped onto and brought a fresh perspective to it. So there are platforms like ours that are coming out and doing it completely different where we're actually providing like real talents and like quality talents and, and like we're rescaling our talents and everything, right? So there are other platforms in the U.S. that are doing this as well. We're the only one in Canada right now, but uh, that is doing it to this large but in the U.S., there's a few that are doing it and their revenues are one hundred, two, three, four hundred million a year. And uh, it's because of the fresh perspectives of coming in and doing it a little bit differently. Everything will cycle through. It's like a vicious cycle. It's all going to restart and then another person's going to come in and do, you know. Um, but the gig economy is huge. And I think, you know, we're onto something in Canada, but we are being scaled big time in the U.S. right now. That's actually where right now about 60 percent of our clients are in the U.S.,
0: very cool. yeah this is this is definitely you know your company is a company to watch. the industry is an industry to watch and I think just the way that you're approaching it with your purpose in mind and also nice. the individuals that you are helping as well gain access to, to opportunity too is cool. is exceptional and it's very <sighs> empowering. So thank you for for being here Bobby and sharing a little bit more about your story.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation.
0: So for the audience, um, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Bobby Reset. Bobby, what would be the best place for people to connect with you online?
1: Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Bobby Reset or Twitter. I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. You can always go to our websites, thevirtualgurus.com or askbetty.io.
0: Amazing. So all of the links to where you can find Bobby and Virtual Gurus will be in the show notes. And I want to also thank Invest Ottawa and their Accelerate Ott function that is taking place on October the 27th. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Power of Why podcast. You can find the show notes at NaomiHiley.com. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Power of Why on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa. We teamed up to produce this special series in celebration of Accelerate Ottawa 2021, Ottawa's flagship entrepreneurial conference, which is taking place on October 27th with six inspirational sessions, more than 25 guest speakers. If you want to learn more, visit www.accelerate.ca. That's spelled A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-O-T-T.ca to learn more.